Retro Rebel Gamecast is brought to you by TempleofGeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at TempleofGeek.com. Fridays, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to TempleofGeek.com, iTunes, or wherever you download your favorite podcast. You can either find us on Facebook at Temple of Geek for exclusive content and to see what I've I always feel like I'm lying if I say that and I don't preface it sometimes. Sometimes we don't. My name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. What's up? I love that you put a we in there, but that is mostly a you problem. It is, it is, a, it is a schedule problem, and I'm going to blame it on anything but me. Blame it on the alcohol. Don't, sometimes, don't sometimes, absolutely. <laughs> that it that is also a culprit. So, what have you been doing? So now we are we are in January officially. Obvious when you when you will hear this. Uh, this was recorded after the first, and uh, so this is our first episode of the new year. But what have you been up to? We've been gone for a while. Um. Yeah, I just got back from the States to go see my family for Christmas. It was very good. Um, very good. I have sort of been intermittently playing games sort of in that period, playing a bit of Gears 5 with my brother. Uh, I recently beat Life is Strange 2. Um, and yeah. I recently got the 26th generational achievement in Sims 4. And I'm very proud of that because that is a very <laughs> rare diamond achievement. And I had been working on a the triplet achievement where I had created a brothel of sorts and breeding ground to achieve, <laughs> increase my probability of getting triplets for that achievement. Um, but then my EA Access free trial expired, so I'm going to have to pick that achievement up the next time they want to toss a free trial my way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and most recently, I finished watching The Witcher series one and it inspired me to go back and play the witcher and i just downloaded both the expansions i beat the heart of stone which i thought was was pretty good um and now i'm i'm working on the the second achievement which is like i don't know wine or something and I don't, I don't remember what that one was called the second the second expansion pack is much bigger than the first there's um two separate quests that have uh, one has 15 different elements in it, and the other one has, like, 20 different elements in the single quest line. Um, wow. So some of these quests are, like, massive. There was one that had five different elements in it with, like, a fair bit of travel and things like that, which, when you go and talk to the content and then suddenly 15 different markers show up on your map, you're kind of like, oh, God. But um, the outcome of those ended up being quite interesting with some new game elements like um like bandit fortresses which they didn't really have before which i'm gonna be honest was like super intense my Geralt of rivia is i think level 45 at the moment so he's pretty strong i've got the the full set of viper armor uh the viper steel sword and the ever loose 
sword you get from the Lady of the Lake, which is spoilers for a, you know, three-year-old game or something. Um, <laughs> but there, I have some pretty good weaponry as well. I just went to the Enchanter guy and spent my 30 grand in gold to get my items uh, enchanted at master level, which I wasn't prepared for that, so I had to like start selling crafting items in order to get enough money to just put the enchantments into my gear in the first place. But I figured at this high level in the game, I don't really need that much crafting crap anymore, and I'm looting so much. Like, in the bandit right. camps, there are, like, 50 enemies to defeat, so it's just if you herd them into, like, a corridor and kill them all in a corridor, you can just sit there for five minutes and just smash the loot button and pick up, you know, thousands right. of things in, in yeah. you know, in a, in a couple minutes. So, I feel like in I'll get Hermione's the money back. Bag. Yeah. yeah, but listen, I, I really feel like the gold that you get or the silver that you get is a bit unbalanced because I'm starting to get way more money just looting swords off of dead enemies than I am actually getting in Witcher contract payouts. So it's kind of, it feels wrong. It feels like I should get way more money from completing contracts than I should be able to get from looting stuff. But that's actually this late in the game that's not how it's working out to be i mean some of those swords are like 500 silver each and i just like did a a five stage um uh mission that only paid me like 350 gold so it was kind of like what um (laughs) but i am trying to fully complete the game as much as i possibly can i know there's like 400 quests and uh, when you know, this is our game of the year edition, so later on I will talk about the game in more detail. Um, but I'm finding the untrackable portions of these quests, like collect all the Gwent cards, to be yeah. super frustrating. Because how do I know what ones I'm missing and where those are? Right, like, right. it's actually, that part's a bit of a joke, and I don't think you'd ever be able to do it. And also, I think situationally, you quests spawn when you're sort of running by them and when are you ever going to interact with that particular spot on the map again so you've got to stop what you were doing go and do that quest and then kind of continue what you were doing before um so that part means that i probably need to give up on the idea of of fully (laughs) completing it yeah. yeah i just don't think it's i i think it's actually impossible to spawn without loads of research obviously if you do enough research on anything you can get all the achievements but without doing tons of research i think it's really hard to know where all these different quests are gonna spawn um because some of them seem completely random you know and that's that's something we i I know we probably have touched on it at some point but we don't really go into depth one that's one of the fun things about games is kind of getting lost in the world and everything but it's it gets old if if there's if there's not a breadcrumb trail or something that leads you to you know uh, or just with a little bit of uh, of searching maybe that leads you to all the things that you need to find you know i mean um if it's frustrating to find it you know that takes away from the gameplay and i guess i mean not just completionist uh you know tasks but uh, side quests, some of the f- more fun things, and, and I guess the difficulty thing is relative, but uh, um, I don't know. Like The Witcher is one of those games that you can get lost in, in in a good way. You know, it's it's got a ton of content, and and I guess uh, I guess that rewards people who 
who search, and I'm one of those people who, if I really enjoy a game, I'm going to search every nook and cranny to find everything. But if you have to research it, you know, that takes away, I guess, that takes you out of the experience and, and, and takes takes away a little bit, I guess, from um, from the overall um, experience of trying to complete the game because you have to go search. And you used to have to do that with, like, game guides, but they also didn't have a very good story, so it didn't matter, you know? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, one thing I will say <clears throat> that I have recently come to dislike about the general character of the Witcher is because he's like a traveling monster slayer. Uh, he can't really settle down per se. Right. And at one point in the expansion, you get access to a house and you can yeah. spend about, by my calculation, somewhere around 15,000 gold to upgrade it to the, by gold, I mean in, in-game currency, 15,000 right. in-game currency to upgrade it to its like maximum capacity. But part of me finds it a bit empty because there's right. no one there that really cares about you. You've got like a major domo who looks after the house, but then the rest is just like servants and stuff. And when you walk you know, past peasants and things like that. They're just like, oh, it's a witcher, blah, blah, blah. But there's no option for you to, like, meet a nice lady and, like, invite her to move in because you've got this pretty sweet pad and, like, I don't know, raise some little witcher babies. It just, it seems like a bit empty <laughs> because, listen, right. my pad is sweet as hell. I've got all the armor racks and the weapon racks full of some pretty cool dope stuff. And only I get to look at it, you know? And she should be impressed with that. I think she would be impressed. There is a painting of me in in repose in, like, basically no clothes in the bedroom. (laughs) I think it's pretty dope. So, Then you're like, eh? Eh? If that doesn't Eh? put you in the mood, I don't know what would. (laughs) I don't either. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When, When I did the quest for it and, like, the... The artist revealed the painting. I was like, well, I know right where this is going. <laughs> Paid him two grand for that painting. Most paintings are like 20 gold. But I was like, now nah, I'm going to have that. <laughs> I'm going to have good. that. Yeah. Yeah. Looking good. Um, looking good. Well, um, I've been playing. Uh, I've been trying to play a lot over the holidays. Um, I have not played The Witcher, but I did watch The Witcher, and it has made me want to go back into it. One of the things about The Witcher Three is that I didn't play The Witcher One or Two. I didn't read any of the books, so in jumping into it, I'm just like, okay, Niflgard, whatever. Um, all these other places, whatever. I don't get it. The, I know what The Witcher does. Basically, he's like, he's like Kratos uh, with a little bit more personality, you know. Uh, so he's going to go around killing monsters. He's going to, you know, he, he, you know, I mean, bloody barely more personality, (laughs) barely, barely. Um, one of the things I loved about the show is, is because, uh, Henry Cavill does such an incredible job, I think of embodying the character of, of Geralt and, and maybe giving him a lot more personality and, and, and making him more empathetic. But one of the things that he does that Geralt does in the in the game a lot is. Hmm. I know. I hmm. love that. I was watching it with my partner and he was like, why is he just going all the time? And I was like, that's what he does in the game. He does it all the time. He does it all the time. And it, it is a, it, it is kind of a part of his character because I think uh, Geralt's thinking, but it's also like 
I, I'm, it's hard to say exactly. Or it's hard to put into words exactly what I feel like he's doing at those times. But I think it's necessary. It's a part of, uh, you know, his process of like, okay, I'm going to decide so to do good. this or not decide to do this. Or maybe you're, you know, whatever he's, however he's judging you. Because he is kind of like judge, jury, and executioner. Um, but, yeah, he, whatever problem it is, it's, it always begins with, hmm. Yeah, so. I do find it that like weird that people are like suspicious of witchers or whatever because like who wouldn't right. want someone to come and sort out your problems for like a little bit of silver? Like right. you're not even yeah. paying them that well. Like <laughs> No, no. And and I mean uh, not enough for a, you know, a hostel room and a and a you know, and a lady of the night. So um. <laughs> A lady of the night. Jesus Christ, you're showing your age. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't think of a good uh, uh, a, a, an escort, maybe trying to be uh, keep it classy. Um, but <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that show's not for kids. Um, but it, but a great show and got me really excited about the game again. And now I feel like I have a lot more of the backstory. I feel I can fill in the gaps anyway, and so I know the characters and I know the characters' names. And so when playing the game, it will make. It will mean a lot more now. When they mention something, I'm like, oh, okay. I know or at least have heard of that place or I'm aware of these things, even some of the monsters that are in the, sh in the game and in the show. Um, or if I'll see them in the game and I'll, you know, and they're, they're just, there's a, it, there's a good parallel and, and, and it did such a good job of, of, of recreating what's in the game. It just made me excited to, to revisit it. So I'm definitely going to do that. But I haven't. That, that is a game I want to revisit, but I haven't yet. Um, but what I did play, I have been playing a lot of... Haven't finished it, but I've almost finished Jedi Fallen Order. Um, oh, yeah. And then uh, have been playing After Party a lot. Uh, almost finished that as well. And then, um, then I've been playing uh, the last game, which is Disco Elysium. This is... Uh, that sounds a, like the name of a crap band that your, like, stepbrother is in. <laughs> Well, it's, yeah, or, yeah, it's definitely, I like how you put it on, like, third person, or it's, like, definitely not, I mean, uh, on someone else. It's, like, not your band. It's, like, well, yeah, it could no. have been my like, band. Like, hi, everyone, we're Disco Elysium. Please take <laughs> your bartenders. Right. That's right. <laughs> and ready to rock. <laughs> Get ready to rock. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, Disco Elysium. It's, um, I'll tell you a lot more about it, but it's definitely one of the best games I've played. Um <clears throat> it's and I know it's Jim Sterling talks about it a lot. It got it's got really good reviews. It's a point and click adventure game um, where you play a well. Just the the premise is is you're a uh, maybe a detective. Um, you the way you set up your character and the skill set that you get. It's 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 taking the traditional skill set and kind of turning it on its head. So you have three stock characters that you can pick. You've got five categories of skills. Um, one of them is, um, you know, psychology and uh, it's like motor, motor something. Anyway, it's basically how your body moves. Your physique is one, and that's like your stamina and stuff like that. Intelligence is one. And each one of those five skills has like seven sub-skills. And each one of those sub-skills kind of helps you in, like, uh, challenge roles uh, in certain situations. So, like, your intelligence, you can be really hyper-intelligent but not empathetic at all. So you can read a situation and know what's happening. But your dialogue choices will be, like, all asshole. 
Like you're just going to be a jerk in everything that you say because you you don't know how to relate to people, but you know how you're hyper, you know, hyper intelligent. Um, but you can also be very intuitive and empathetic and which is how I built my character to be really empathetic, but also hyper intelligent. But if you do that, that means that you have like zero health, like one health and one or two health and one or two um, in your physique or your motor skills. So like if I had to do hand to hand combat, I get my ass whooped. And if I had to do, you know, well, for instance, I was really smart and very empathetic. My uh, my number one skill that I picked was uh, this skill called Inland Empire. And Inland Empire just means that you kind of have insight to the world that's going on around you and everything. Um, and uh, so it, it just means that you're kind of intuitive. Well, one of the first things that you can do, so you wake up on the floor in your underwear and, and holding a bottle of liquor. That's how you wake up. And uh, you have to put on your pants, you go around your, your apartment and you and it's just trashed. And uh, you have this existential conversation with yourself. Um, like, who are you? Where am I? Um, and based on the skills that you pick determines how much or how deep you can go into your own psyche. So you're basically having a conversation with yourself a lot of the game. Everybody thinks you're a jerk, too, so everybody you run into, because you probably are. I haven't gotten that far. Um, but uh, you are maybe a cop, and I had gotten so trashed the night before and, and had set my skill set to, to um, you know, high, high empathy, high intelligence, low physique that I saw. So I basically got dressed. I could only find one shoe, and my tie is hanging on a... Uh, a ceiling fan. Yeah, right. So the ceiling fan is spinning and, and you it gives you like three choices. You can reach for it. You can turn off the fan or you can turn off the light. So the first time I played it, I reached for the I reached for the, the tie and I died of a heart attack. So like the end, that was the end of the game. Like I died the wow. third or fourth thing I did wow. in the game that you're like, yeah. I had gotten so trashed the night before that that level of physical exertion made me lose a hit point and I died. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Killed by a ceiling fan. I think that needs Killed to by... be on the list of most awkward deaths. Most awkward deaths, yeah. That's a new category that we literally <laughs> just created. So, um, so yeah, that, that, uh, that game uh, has been great and the, uh, we'll talk more about it Um as we do our game awards and stuff like that, because it's definitely on my list. And then After Party. After Party is just a brilliant game. It's 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 dramatic and funny and has great dialogue and probably the best voice acting of any game I've played this year, maybe up there with any voice acting games ever. Just the two characters that you play uh, have great chemistry. It's like Oxenfree in that there's a lot of relatable uh, themes, not that everything in Oxenfree and all the characters are relatable, but there are relatable elements, and I think everybody can find something to latch on to. And this has two people who I think uh, are relatable, even if that's not kind of your personality. I mean, you either knew somebody that were like these two people; they're kind of introverted. Um, and uh, anyway, their dialogue's great. So that's 
that's been a good game. Uh, and so those three games, the, the Jedi Fallen Order is the best Star Wars game I've played in a really, really long time. I'd say it's the best Star Wars game I've played since Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, wow. That's high praise, though. Yeah. So anyway, that's me. That's uh, the game. So that brings us to our news segment. So I know you have some news, and I've got a puppy that's biting my finger. So I'm going to uh, try to corral him while you uh, enlighten me on, on news. Excellent. I forgot that you got a puppy because you don't have enough stuff in your house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, right. So just a couple little bits of news. So um, the rumor mill has it that a Nintendo Switch Pro is coming in 2020. And if it releases before the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, it may mean that people don't have money to purchase those consoles when they come out probably around Christmas time. Um, so speculators are saying that, um, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X might not sell as well as a result because of the popularity of the Switch and people's interest in a pro version. Um, then they announced that, um, well, they didn't announce, it leaked that Metro Exodus is coming to the Switch because it got submitted for Peggy ratings. So, um, which is our rating system here. I don't think... Peggy? Yeah, I don't... Do you guys use Peggy? Yeah, maybe use Peggy. I think we have the ESRB, I don't know. Uh, okay, well, we use Peggy ratings, but they're basically the same thing. The fact that it got submitted means that the port is coming to um, the Switch. And then... Um, Grand Theft Auto 6, its rumored release date isn't till 2021, which is actually really long because um, that means, I think in total, that people will be waiting eight years for a new game, um, which is a long time for a series that I think in our heads we sort of think of akin to a Black Ops or, you know, Modern Warfare franchise but actually there's a lot more time in between the gta games than i think we really thought of but i think this is the longest amount of time between a game release at least that's what i read so those were just a couple of bits of news that i thought were interesting of some up and coming things and some some speculative news reporting for you so you can enjoy that a lot more Absolutely. nintendo news than i would ever usually put out but i figured you were interested <laughs> in it so i I am uh, very interested in that. Did they did they say specs on the on the pro? No, they they're just uh, investors are saying that it's likely they'll release a very like a souped up version with longer battery life and better you know, like graphical capability and that sort of thing. Right. Well, that would be I would be interested in that, especially if it's comparable price wise. I lo I love my Switch. Um, I d I have been playing it as well, but took it on vacation with us and, and played it in the car it's just it's so useful handy um the kids played mario kart you know when you got nothing else to do you just stand it up and the two of them played mario kart so um you know i don't think there's been a better handheld since maybe like the game boy advance um it's just great uh, so i would i would be interested in that i think <laughs> well, uh, light news, but we'll be back with more news as as uh, the year goes on because I know there's release dates for new games. We need to do a show about that, so that'll be in the future. But this show or this episode is going to 
mainly discuss the Game Awards for 2019. So a um, lot of good games were released last year. So many I wasn't able to play all of them. I wish I was. Uh, so we're going to award the 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 games that we did get to play. Um, and uh, the best part about that is we're going to award them with the awards that we literally made up this year. So uh, <laughs> every year, uh, you know, we do this and, and we uh, kind of, we have some, I think, uh, some standard categories. But then also there are some games that just deserve a special award. So... Uh, they will, they will, uh, we will be sure to receive this award that they, this esteemed award that I'm sure they're proud to receive. Uh, I, I don't know that we'll do, we, we don't have to do them in any particular order. I figure we just save our best and worst game for last, uh, not necessarily in that order. Um, but, uh, so would you like to start? I've got, uh, you know, I've, um, a number of categories here, but, uh, I figure we can just Yeah, let's start. just tag team. Sweet. Um, well, the first category that I wanted to uh, first first category first award I wanted to uh, to bestow on a game is for the best music, best music in a game that I played. Best music. You bloody okay. love best music. I think you've used that category every year. I think that's one well, of your I, standard I, categories. I write I write articles about it. Uh, it. Music is an important part of the game to me. And and I think the best games, good games, have music that you don't really notice. I think in the background that's that that adds to the experience, but it's not necessarily forgettable as much as it's um, kind of a part of the scene. Yeah, it's part of the scenery. There, there's some. There are some games where the music is quite iconic, like I think the Halo franchise, because you know right. whenever the tempo picks up, like the battle is coming. Absolutely. And I think those are great. That's great music. I think good music kind of kind of just rests in the background and is maybe not necessarily forgettable, but adds to the experience. I think great music in great games, it can elevate the game, you know. And so if you've got great music, um, it just really adds to the experience and sometimes can take a game that's good and turn it into something that's great. And, and I wanted to... Uh, I'm going to give that to Disco Elysium. Um, Disco Elysium has, it's not, it, it, the music in Disco Elysium reminds me a lot of Life is Strange, the very first se uh, yeah. uh, set of games, in that it has music that seems very appropriate for the content, very appropriate for the characters in the game, and and maybe even for if, you, if you're putting yourself in their shoes. So it's like, it, it seems to be kind of like teen angst type, uh, emo music for that period and those characters and the Disco Elysium music is kind of like this I don't know how to explain it or describe it it's kind of like this existential not disco but it's definitely it's kind of like a happy melancholy Blade Runner theme if you say so <laughs> yeah well, that's it, it to me. It, like the, it's one of the it's music that it plays and repeats kind of in the background, regardless of where you go. And it's it just I don't know. It like it. it it's like um, a little bit hypnotic. And I anyway, it, it really adds to the experience. And especially because so much of that game is taking place in your mind. And I feel like the music is really appropriate for that 
and so that's that's why I think it makes it difficult to to describe. But when you play it, and if you and if you hear it, it kind of drifts off into the background. But if you if you think about it, you're like, oh yeah, th- this is actually really appropriate for the content. So that's music, Disco Elysium, and you. Excellent. Well done, you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, right. So my first category is the most stress-relieving game of 2019. Now, nice. a lot of people are going to pan this choice because it is not a good game, air quotes, whatever. But I found it to be so chill, with quite chill music, and not much of a story to have to pay attention to, and not much lore to have to pay attention to. which is generally chilling, flying around, shooting things, so the award for most stress-relieving game for me goes to Anthem. I spent hours playing Anthem. I don't regret it. It's not the best <laughs> game ever, but boy, is it ever chill, man. Nice. Eh, you know, I don't think, I think it's got a bad rap. It's a, it's a good-looking game. I haven't played it, uh, but the people that I have talked to, personally talked to that have played it, have enjoyed it for what it is. Is it vapid? Yes, it was. Uh, it still need content. Yes, it could use a little bit more content. Um, can you play it, get enjoyment out of it, and and not worry about microtransactions, everything else? I think Bioware is really trying to trying to salvage whatever they can with Anthem, and so you know, I think they're trying to do their best. Um, nice. Well, for me, my next category is. Uh, game with the most vivid recreation of the worst time in my life. And that is, <laughs> that award, uh, this, this, this honor goes, uh, also to Disco Elysium. Um, I, I, I related a lot to the way the character interacts with the world around him and the fact that he has existential conversations with everything all the time. Uh, and the fact that he woke up on the floor, you start out on the floor uh, forgetting that maybe you're even a cop. You don't know who you are, and you definitely don't know your name, and you don't know what you look like. Um, so <laughs> all of these things uh, add up and uh, to, to create maybe the worst day, and um, you definitely start out in the worst day of your life. Most likely. You can't remember days before this, so it's definitely the worst day of your life that you can remember. So, <laughs> the award for the most vivid recreation of the worst day time in my life, uh, Disco Elysium. Wait, do you have a time in your life where you don't remember the days before? No, I'm definitely. This is an exaggeration, but it's, uh, but it's close enough. It's close enough wow. to the worst. <laughs> wow, that's quite funny. Yeah. I mean, press F to pay respects for your memory. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So my next one is for best couch co-op. Nice. Um, stroke best online co-op. Just best co-op experience overall. Uh, the Gears franchise holds the title now. Previously, I would have said that that was Halo, but recent iterations of the games don't include uh, any couch co-op and um, the I don't know, the franchise as a whole seems to have taken a big dump on itself. So Gears 5 is my award for the best co-op available, couch and online, um, currently in a shooter. 
and uh, I think the story is interesting. I think the way that they remind you of previous games so that you can kind of follow the story and, and get caught up on it without it being super obvious that that's what they're doing is good. Yeah. Uh, the enemies are still good. They're still interesting. Uh, they've iterated the combat a little bit. So, um, and, and it controls well as a team. The only thing that I will say is that uh, it... It isn't obvious when your teammate dies, so they kind of need to tell you, because it isn't super obvious in in the game that they're down, um, no. especially if you are ahead of them on the map. So that's my one criticism: is uh, maybe a little bit more obvious that you need to go revive somebody, otherwise you're gonna have to start over. But other than that, uh, that is my word for best couch and online co-op. Very nice. Um, yeah, I, I didn't play as much of Gears 5. I did play it. I didn't play as much as I would have liked. I don't didn't really get into the story as much, uh, meaning not that I didn't enjoy it. I just, I didn't know what was going on yet. That's how little I got to play of it. I did the intro where you kind of learn your skills and then you start, but that's about as far as I got. Um, I mean, you didn't <clears> get far at all. No, 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 no. I mean, a couple of, maybe an hour, two hours. <laughs> you got after the tutorial. <laughs> After the tutorial, that's about it. Um, next one for me, uh, best best game that had tried to say something, and I would have it uh, with a caveat, wittiest dialogue. Um, I think any game that has interactions with characters can be funny. I think Borderlands 3, even though it's got some crude, more juven- juvenile humor in it, uh, I think could... could qualify for this category i think you know if it's funny what's funny is funny if it's witty or even if it's dad jokes definitely appreciate those um but after party uh is a game that i think really tries to say something uh it does have some drama it does it 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 um i don't want to ruin it for anybody who's interested in playing it i think it's definitely worth playing and the game is about the dialogue. It has little mini games in it as well. I mean, the whole idea is is that you somehow you died. You and your friend died, and you were you. The last thing you remember is that you were at a college party, and you just. It, it was right before you were going to leave, and, and right before you leave, you find out that no, you weren't really at that party. Now you're dead, uh, and you're in hell, and you've got to meet with whoever the arbiters are to determine like what is your penance what is your sentence now that you're in hell well they're all on break so they they, they're off of work so you have to wait until the next day to to get your penance and so from there you just kind of go on these adventures and all it seems like everywhere you go all that there is is nightclubs and places to drink and so you go from place to place you have a personal demon that is just there to tell you um to to kind of make you feel bad about yourself but they do it in a lovely. really chipper way so, what's that i said oh lovely yeah so you have the, your personal demon is very um is very energetic about telling you how awful and and how depressed you should be and then uh you and your friend are kind of like cynical sarcastic um you're cynical, sarcastic introverts that kind of thumb your nose at the at the people around you and the world around you. But it, I think deep down inside, 
you're a little bit insecure. And so it's, it's very relatable. I mean, the story is very relatable in that we all have insecurities. Um, although I don't think we all get a chance to go to the ninth <laughs> level of hell to drink with the devil. So one can um, only dream. Uh huh. Said one can only dream. One can only dream. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, but in terms of like the dialogue and everything, it's just and 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 the themes of that game. It says a lot. It, it, it's it's very. It's got a really good story, really good dialogue, great voice acting. It's it's uh, definitely the best game that tried to say something, I think, and had an actual had an actual message. So, and really pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I haven't played any of these games yet, so I'm finding it hard to agree or disagree. I'm just gonna have to take your word on it. Right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, so uh, the next one that I have in the best category is the best marketing ploy. Like, I work nice. in marketing, so I can appreciate when something's quite clever. I'm going to give an honorable mention to that Hideo Kojima game that has Darren from yeah. The Walking Dead in it because the... Death Strandings. Yeah, because the marketing was really, really good, even though it seems the reviews of the game is quite vapid and and tedious to play. But the that's the runner-up for this category. But for me, the best this year was Fortnite with their black hole um, marketing campaign um, where they took the servers down, blacked everything out, blacked out Twitter, um, and then uh, released, I guess, season two or season three, whatever, um, but then kept people waiting in anticipation for the the release of the the latest expansion, quote unquote, or season, however they're calling it. But I thought it was quite cool. I think it created buzz and hype and interest, and it was also quite low budget, which I think a lot of game companies maybe spend too much on traditional advertising. But that spread via word of mouth and you know, YouTube pundits talking about it and things like that. It didn't cost anything really for them to change the graphical assets um, in in the platform. So I thought it was quite right. cool. Even I noticed the change when I looked at my games and apps. The icon for Fortnite had changed to this, like, black hole situation, <laughs> uh, which I was like, what is going on there? But then again, like, I'm a bit over Fortnite in general so i didn't like well it so is my son which says a lot if you've been tracking uh, over the past year or so um he doesn't play it at all anymore i think people are sort of generally over it but i do think that that marketing activity was effective in generating interest so that's why it's on the list even though the game itself is kind of reaching the end of its arc well two things one um i think that game death stranding uh for many people seems to be kind of a cathartic uh escape in in some in zen-like experience the the just the delivering packages and the long stretches of kind of nothingness but you're you know you do have things that you have to worry about whatever you know the that you that you're that trying to avoid enemies or whatever but apparently, it's it's been cathartic for some people that that they play that. It's it's a good looking game. I I haven't played it yet either. Um, and the other thing is, I I do think it's interesting, uh, and I think it's a, a sign that that Fortnite is is kind of on its uh, way out, as much target or as much uh, product integration that you're seeing in 
Fortnite now. I mean, it's like there's it's huge Star Wars stuff right now. So there's all this Star Wars marketing, all this Star Wars um, skins that are put in there, and I think it's kind of like the the last gasp, you know, reach for uh, whatever you know, because it, it's it's definitely not the biggest thing anymore. It's still big, there's no doubt, but I think Minecraft is still is just as big um, as as Fortnite now. So anyway. All right, so uh, now more of, of the like the more traditional awards for me, uh, the the best RPG that I played this year. Um, best RPG I played this year is The Outer Worlds. Um, I did dive back into that. I did not uh, complete it as you did. I know because um, I'm awesome. But I gave myself uh, I gave it another shot because it does have the the Fallout. Uh, kind of the fallout vibe in in terms of gameplay as well as the dialogue stuff and so um but it's just better it's better on every count and i think this is pretty much the consensus with everyone that has reviewed it um that it's it's just it's fallout it's better fallout is what it is you know and so um from the weapons to the dialogue choices to the story and the and the the impact of your decisions all of those things that that go into the outer worlds it's just done well in Obsidian high praise uh, for for the Outer Worlds. And it's an RPG that if you're a fan, you need to play it. It's it's um, one of the best games of the year by far. So good. For sure. So good. Really excellent. Um, right. So um, now I'm, I'm going to save my best overall game and worst overall game. So now I've got a couple negative ones to go through <laughs> so uh, sort of the inverse of best marketing ploy is most overhyped so right this is right, where nice. there was so much traditional advertising so much hoopla and then i played the game despite saying that i wasn't going to i still was like oh well let's give it a try maybe this one's better Listen, Red Dead Redemption 2 is not my bloody thing. Red Dead Redemption as a franchise isn't my thing. I've tried both. I've given both a fair shot. I probably put maybe 15 hours into the first Red Dead Redemption before I reached a point where it was just unplayable. I'd gotten my save into a point where it was just un unachievable to get out of the situation. Um, and, and my prior saves before that were like six or eight hours old. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2, I made it through, I think, two missions, uh, and I was just like, nah, it's tedious, it's tedious. I think when they're hyping up the realism and how, like, oh, wow, look at this, and look at what you can do, and look how good this looks, and that's great, but for me, it's just not fun. It's too slow. It's too boring. It's too real. It's too real. I listen when the one of the great things about The Witcher that Red Dead Redemption Two doesn't seem to do properly is the Witcher horse will follow the bloody path. They'll stay right. on the path and and most of the time even follow the waypoint markers to a certain degree. You might have to nudge it when you get to a fork that it's not really sure about, but generally speaking you can kind of relax and look at the scenery i feel like with red dead redemption you're so worried about controlling the damn horse and riding in a straight line you're not really looking at anything i don't know i just it's not for me this game so that's why it's on the list for most right. overhyped and to be honest i could have made it 
worst game of the year. But I felt like that wasn't fair for, you know, a lot of people like that. And they right. a lot of people will like Red Dead Redemption 2. It's more a personal preference, so I put it on most overhyped. Right. And, and you know, I probably would, I couldn't disagree with you at all. I, I, I've played it. I played it quite a bit and, um, and didn't get very far, you know, and, and you can do that. That's one of those games where you just get lost. You just want to kill a bear. You could spend the next six hours trying to go out and find that bear and kill it. I mean, it's like, and, and, and not have advanced the story or really fulfilled a side mission. It's just like, well, there's a, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but for me, it is, it's too real. Like you said, it's tedious. It's, it's the, I, I, there's you, I'd like to suspend a little bit of my, you know, the, the, the disbelief, um, and be able to escape into the world. Not, and yeah, the Witcher's a good example. Fallout pushes the envelope and I think the Outer Worlds does, does it better. But I mean, the point where you can't just carry everything. It does affect you if you carry everything. But The Witcher, you know, you have a magic bag that you can carry everything in. Um, and that's fine. There actually I, is I a weight a, inventory limit. I finally reached it the other day. But man, it is hard to reach. It's hard to reach. You, know? you pretty so much you need to have like 40 swords in your inventory. <laughs> which I did. And Roach is carrying all yeah. that. So. Uh, or you are, whatever, in your magic bag. It's but fine. I, I think that's okay. Yeah, it, it, it take, don't worry. Don't get caught up in that minutiae. Go play the game, enjoy the story, carry 40 swords, who gives a crap, you know? Um, Yeah, the, the realism definitely took me out of the game and, and made it to where I couldn't really enjoy it. But I know some people do. It is a beautiful game. They put hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of hours, into creating it. And so, you know, there's something to be said for that, but... Um, I didn't really have a multiplayer game that I thought was the best. I was, you know, I, I played Tetris, uh, 99, which I really enjoyed, uh, in terms of like, but I didn't really know what was going on for the most part. Like I didn't understand the mechanic behind it, like how I could target particular people. Cause basically that's a battle Royale with Tetris and it's fun, I guess. If you, I mean, if you like Tetris, it's fun and it's really fast, and and so you can play lots of games. And um, you were talking about this. It, it just sounds crazy to me. <laughs> it is crazy. I mean, if you if you tr if you're trying to see what's going on, you've already lost. I mean, that's the truth. It happens too fast, and uh, you know the pieces are coming too fast and everything. And so it's just really, um, you know, Daniel probably be better. But that was that's the best multiplayer game I played this year. But I don't feel confident giving it an award because I didn't play it enough and it's really the only multiplayer uh, that I played um, so I'm going to um, give my next award the most I started saying it's the most rubbish but it's my most disappointing slash rubbish game of the year um, look at you in your is, English this, words this one has a special place for me uh, because I was kind of excited about this game. Um, and what happened right after I bought it is what really, it is what puts it so high on my list and makes it my least favorite, most rubbish game of the year. And that's the division two. <laughs> I didn't uh, even give the division two the time of day. I know it. And, and, uh, I did, and I, I bought it full price and, um, Within thirty minutes, less than thirty minutes, 
I was bombarded and faced with microtransactions that would affect the rest of the game. And it puts such a bad taste in my mouth that I, if I had the game, I would have sold it immediately. And unfortunately, I have it on digital and can't. Um, and so, on principle, I still have it downloaded. But the fact that microtransactions were so integrated into the gaming experience that it almost it made it feel like it was not only necessary but uh, mandatory uh, that you partake. It it just it was disgusting. It was gross to me. And so, it's a beautiful game that that does little and says less. Um, you know, if you if you like that, you know, over the shoulder third person type uh, shooter, it's it's it it is that. But for me, uh, the microtransaction portion of it, just for the cosmetics, um, was disgusting. You know, uh, much less everything else that you could buy to improve the experience. And so, award for most disappointing rubbish game this year, Division Two, easily. By far, hands down. Nobody, no other games on the list. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I mean, I sort of learned my lesson from Division One, and they didn't even get a chance with me. Um, right. So my next one is um, oh, too detailed to the point of ridiculous. Now, Red Dead Redemption 2 could definitely go on this list, but for me, I wanted to focus on mandatory game elements that were stupid as hell. And yeah. um, I've also... This is a 2018 game, but listen, I played it in 2019, so leave me alone. Um, and right. it became available we'll with Game Pass in 2019, so shut up. Um, and that is <laughs> Surviving Mars. Look, I know a lot of people like these like strategy world-building type games, and they want them to be super detailed and like do... But when you're having me connect water and power grids and like also... I don't want to do that. Like, I want to <laughs> plop a house down and have it be sorted. Like, I've got other things I want to do. Like, I'm, I'm interested yeah, in scale, Mars. Not, not detailed. Um, right. And... It was, it was so hard to figure out what I was supposed to do next, what I was doing wrong. Like The tutorial wasn't very insightful, and I just I thought it was horrible. So that's why I put on the list. It's because the, the level of detail is also mandatory, and I found that frustrating. Yeah, I, can, I haven't played that, but I would agree with you that those things sound extremely frustrating and, and undesirable. Would not want to uh, experience that. So maybe that's why I didn't play that one. Yeah. Um, My next, uh, I have three categories left. Um, The best game and the the two of them are games that I played. One is is a a special category. But best game that I played from past generations. So uh, this year, so kind of along the same lines of what you just said, you know, this is a game that is that is probably the game of the decade. Um, maybe the game of the century, if you really wanted to be honest. But oh, snap. Uh, or if, if I would, I would say so far, twenty years, game of the century um, is Witcher Three. Um, it is the best game that I've played from the past gen. Um, and I would say a an honorable mention goes to Persona Five. I was gonna put Persona Five on here, but it's definitely not better than Witcher Three. Persona 5 I've really enjoyed it's 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 just it's so different than any other RPG that I've played before I haven't played any of the other Persona games but I liked the premise 
I really like, again, the music uh, kind of elevates the game. Um, it's very anime. And so I, I and I like all of those things. So Persona 5 is enjoyable. Uh, it is honorable mention. But Witcher 3, best game I played from the past gen. There's so much that goes into it. It's such a rich world. After watching the show, it just kind of flushed that out even more. And for me, made it a no-brainer that that's the best game from the past gen, maybe the best game of the decade, even the century. Wow, okay. That's a bold claim, considering they haven't been making video games for a century. But <laughs> I I hear you. Uh, wow. Uh, okay, well, is that your that's your best game overall? Is that what that is? Your best game overall? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to put my best game overall then, which you've already said, so I won't go into it. But well, for me, that's, that's not that that won't necessarily be my best game overall, because I still have one. You said it's game. the best game of the century. Uh, yes, but not that. I. Oh, my God. It's the game. It's the game of the century, but it's not the game. It's not the best game that was released in 2019. So there is that caveat. Okay. Well, then I'll do uh, what I call the game zombies category, which is Mm -hmm. older games that I keep playing because I think that they're decent or really good. And The Witcher is on there for me. I have 7.5 days of log game time on The Witcher 3. (laughs) So uh, uh, it's definitely a game zombie. I think it's a great game. I think it is... Uh, comparable to the game of the decade. I might edge Dragon Age Inquisition neck and neck. Um, okay. I thought that that was a absolutely kick-ass game. And I think that uh, getting a house in that game made more sense and had more stuff to do in it. <laughs> um, yeah. But... Uh, also, I keep getting free trials to play ESO. I enjoy going back to it, even though I don't think it's the best game ever. I do think that if you're going to let me play it for free, I'm going to play it. So I guess I've got to put it on a list there. That's like, that's like a bad ex-girlfriend I keep going back to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that, those two games, while they are old, they do have sort of recent-ish expansions, and I do keep going back and playing them, so there you go. I won't, I won't, even though you said The Witcher was the best game of the decade, and that's not going to be the best game that you put on this list, I'll, I'll check those in, too, as, as comparable older games that I think are good. Well, and like I said, it's, it's uh, theoretically, it could be the game. Uh, on many lists out there, it is the game of the decade. Um, I think it's a really good game, but I did want to have, you know, kind of work in that caveat that there are categories. Most of these categories are for games that were released this year. That just happens to be the best game from past gens, and I was giving it, you know, maybe more praise than, than I should. But um, for this list, anyway. <laughs> um, uh, I I do have I, have, I want to save my best game... Uh, for the last uh, thing, but uh, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, the the game that I missed, the game that I wish I had played this year. Um, there's an honorable mention for Life is Strange 2. I wish I had played all of those um, that were released this year, but the game that I missed that I wish I had played and I've heard great things about, it's kind of right up my alley in terms of uh, the type of game I like, and that is Control. Um, 
I wish I had played Control. Control was made, uh, and it slips my mind right off the top. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. The Alan Wake, uh, Quantum Break, I think. These games were, they're all made by the same uh, developer. And, um, you know, you basically, you kind of play, uh, it, it's very X-Files slash, so there's a lot of the elements that are, similar uh, i think they even say there's a little bit of twin peaks in terms of like the themes in the game um but you do have telekinetic powers something that you kind of develop and build over the course of the game um and there's a mystery behind uh the, you know the group that that is kind of in control uh throughout the course of the game and and so you you know it's it's a it's definitely a, the type of game that I that I like to play, and it's one of the games that I it is the game that I wish I had had a chance to play this year. The one that I wish I had played most. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that is my next. I, I I really wish that there was room on here, and I know that you haven't played it, but I couldn't really think of a place to put Kingdom Hearts three because that was one of the first games that I played this year, and maybe most disappointing. Uh, would have been the right category for that, but um, you know, I, I I couldn't find a place to put it because it's not a bad game. It's just maybe a game game that that uh, I game that I most outgrew over the course of uh, entries <laughs> uh, from from the second to third uh, sequel game game that I. I don't know. I don't know. Kingdom Hearts 3, definitely. Uh, I mean, how can a game that big, that anticipated, be that forgettable? But, anyway. Look, no judgments there. Like, it is what it is. It is. Um, let's see. So, I'm going to give my award for the crappest game that I didn't play that came out in 2019. <laughs> which has to go to Fallout 76. I feel like I dodged a bloody bullet there, and I love Fallout, yeah. but I feel horrible for these players. I feel like they've been screwed over, like, continually from day dot. It's, like, actually exhausting. Like, how how are they putting up with this? Like, from the pre-order bullshit to the game, like, hacking to them trying to give them customer service recuperation that doesn't even buy you jack squat in the game. It's just, like, I feel like it isn't fair. You know, the experience is supposedly quite vapid and empty with, like, no life to it whatsoever. So, the best game I dodged as far as uh, playing crappy games is, is Fallout 76. I'm glad I didn't play it. I'm glad <laughs> it didn't waste my life. And it's on yes. this list. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's it was never even on my radar. That was definitely a game that I wasn't in, uh, interested in playing. And then the more I heard about it, the, the more I was glad I didn't. Um, all right, so... Um, I really have one category left, uh, which is saving the best for last, which is the best game that I played, again, qualifying this, best game I played that was released this or in 2019. And the best game that I played that was released in 2019 is Jedi Fallen Order. Um, Jedi Fallen Order is... Um, I've, I've, 
enjoyed Dark Souls and I enjoyed Bloodborne, but I am not good at those games. What I have learned and, and what has kind of motivated me maybe to even revisit those games is that you don't necessarily have to be good at those games. You have to be patient. You have to be patient because there is a mechanic, there is a pattern, and if you figure out the pattern and you're disciplined, you can beat any of the bosses. That's, that's, it's not that it's necessarily, it's simple, it's just not easy, if that makes sense. Or, or at least some of the bosses are. Some of them are a little bit more complicated. Do require you to have some, you know, hand-eye coordination, a little bit of, a little bit of, of, of skill with the game. Um, but it, more than anything else, it's about discipline. And Jedi Fallen Order takes what, de- you know, Dark Souls and Bloodborne and even Sekiro uh, do and and it and it applies it to a Star Wars game. So there are a lot of bosses. Like in the second planet, you have an option to go to multiple planets after the very first um, planet that you're on. And I went to Dathomir. Dathomir in the in the Star Wars universe is where the Night Sisters are from. This may mean nothing to anybody that's not a Star Wars fan. Um, basically, Darth Maul, his race. I know about people. it. Listen, yeah. I read okay. the comics. Yeah, right. Yeah. So Dathomir, you get to go to Dathomir and. Right off the bat, you land on like this little plateau, you jump across a few things, climb up a ridge, and there's this monster or this 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 beast that's right there and it's tur- it's got its back turned to you and it's walking away. If you get too close to it, you'll aggro it and it'll come over and it will kill you in three hits. And it happens like immediately and you're and, and so I spent probably an hour trying to kill that thing without any upgrades or without having really, um, you know, <laughs> any other skills. And I'm like, all right, I can't do this, uh, at least not right now. Or I, I need some other skills to kind of help me beat this thing. I probably could, and that's the thing. If you're disciplined enough, you probably could beat him. And I found later that sometimes I could kill him without getting hit. Sometimes I'd barely make it out alive. And every time it was my fault. And I knew exactly what I did wrong, you know. And so uh, I think the addition of the Star Wars element to a Dark Souls type mechanic uh, and the lore and everything, this being canon and, and kind of fleshing out a, an area or a time in the, the Star game Wars. The game is canon. Right. Wow. Yeah. The game is canon. yeah. And so, um, you know, you, you get... You get more of a story that I already really enjoy. I get to visit some planets like Kashyyyk and Dathomir and, and things that I've read about and, and that you've seen in the cartoons and some of the movies. Um, they talk about, uh, you know, the general on Kashyyyk, the Wookiee general that that, um, that you haven't seen really since uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, oh, I can't... Man, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Anyway... He's the he's the Wookiee general that they just that they talk about um, in Revenge of the Sith. He's still alive, but he's kind of like a, 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 a leading a guerrilla band of of Wookies, and and so you have to go f- uh, try to find him. He's part of he's part of that Kashyyyk um, storyline. But anyway, you just get to revisit a lot of these things, and 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 uh, you know, and it, one of the things that I really liked about Dark Souls is that you could see a lot of the big enemies and a lot of the things that you could uh, engage with if you wanted to off in the distance but you didn't have to go over there and fight them you didn't have to go uh, that particular direction but if you wanted that challenge you could 
And like I said, you uh, in Bloodborne, it's the same way. I mean, you may see a large enemy that takes up the whole screen, and and maybe you get something good from it, maybe you don't. But it's the it's the challenge that you wanted. It's not, and that's the thing is it motivates you to want to try to tackle some of those challenges. Um, because I, I maybe I bested this, and now I want to go test my skills against something else. So, the addition of the Star Wars element to some Dark Souls themes, um, and 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 uh, that whole mechanic made for one of the most enjoyable experiences uh, that I've had all year. It's definitely my best game that was released in 2019, and uh, with a again a, a a honorable mention to After Party and Disco Elysium. I think those are two games I think you would enjoy, actually. Um, but are anybody, you know, Xbox? they're definitely different. After Party is for sure. Disco Elysium, I think, is PC. Right. Um, we're not, I think it's we're not partying with PC. Sorry. Me sorry, <laughs> me sorry, me sorry. <laughs> but After Party is, you know, you played Oxenfree. So if you liked Oxenfree at all, I think you'd really like After Party. But Jedi Fallen Order on Xbox, it's a, it's a, I think it's a must play if you can get get your hands on it. And I didn't unmute myself, so that's cool. Right, so what I was saying <laughs> is uh, the best game that I've played in 2019 that came out in 2019 was The Outer Worlds. It was an easy run. I finished it. I went back and played over as many endings as I possibly could from achievable save points that I had to try to find out what was going on. Um, and uh, I liked how uh, different the options were for it. Um, I felt my only criticism of the ending is I would have liked it to be a live action ending instead of like artwork based endings. Right, right. Um, but other than that, I think it's a solid game. I would definitely recommend for anybody to play it. Um, regardless of whether or not they like RPGs or no, I just think that it's really well made, really well rounded, really fun in general, and definitely worth playing. Um, yeah. So that for me, that is the best game overall for the year, uh, hands down, no question about it. And it's in an art style, which I already like anyway. Right. Yeah, no, it, it was good. It's definitely a good game. Um, and that's a good list. I mean, this 2019 was a great year for games. There are a lot of games that uh, that uh, were not mentioned or that we didn't get a chance to play. Um, categories that we didn't include. Uh, well, I haven't I told you, you what my worst game is. <laughs> oh, that's true. Well, uh, since I did tell you my best game, I, I'll and you have one more award. I, I, I had another. Uh, I had another award on my list here that I didn't list. So. Uh, the game that requ that most requires an academic degree is Magic the Gathering uh, Arena. 
Okay, respect. So I love Magic the Gathering. I like I all card-based games. Witcher Gwent, super fun. Yeah. You know, I oh, like yeah. a card game. Oh, I, I, you know, I haven't played Hearthstone. I have not uh, succumbed to uh, the the wiles of, of Hearthstone and purchased the Descent of Dragons, which, you know, that's my... Dragons were my favorite cards to integrate into um, my mage decks, and, and I have not done it yet. I don't know that I will, you know. We'll see. I'm not going to I'm not gonna count it out, but I did start Magic the Gathering I, I, uh, Arena. I did download it. Um, you can play it for free, um, but the learning curve is it's the steepest of any of the card-based games that I've played. Uh, I have never played Magic the Gathering online. I had my own Magic cards back in the day. I've played it in a physical form, but I've never played it online. And so I understand the mechanics in terms of like resource management and all that stuff. I know how that works. Uh, I know technically how to build a deck and, and how to combine certain, uh, you know, card types and to, you know, to kind of accentuate each other. But, um, it definitely has a steep learning curve <laughs> and it definitely is not, should not be your, well, I'm not saying it shouldn't be your first card based game, uh, but it is to me. It was the Gwent most challenging. Should be your of, first card base game. Uh, yeah, probably so. I mean, I've heard that that, that one's relatively simple. Yeah, it's easy. Um, and uh, well, Magic: The Gathering is the other end of the spectrum. So <laughs> it is on the other end. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I think it's, a, it's great. It, yeah, it's it is good, and and uh, but it is uh, it is challenging. And I couldn't get anybody to play me because they can automatically kind of pair you with people who are comparable and when they your see that you not only weak yeah you're weak and and you don't have you don't really have any of the other cards and you don't have wins or losses and yeah, they i've had many people just kind of rage quit in the middle of a game or right when they start seeing after they see that should rack well, you up some wins it. though <laughs> right right but you still need a degree well for me a, a wild card uh category that i had is sort of in the negative ones was games that i felt a game that i felt was too political but that otherwise (laughs) is a really good game and that is the most recent life is strange too so the one with the two brothers oh really so that's like the the most recent one and i felt i like those sort of games I generally enjoy the content, even though sometimes it might be a little young for me to remember exactly what it was like being a teenager. I think the older you get, the hard, the more fuzzy those memories are. For sure. But with this most recent one that I didn't necessarily feel existed in the earlier ones, they definitely put in a couple political elements that made me roll my eyes. Really? And one of them... Like this isn't necessarily spoilers, but in one in one um, point in the game, you interact with a, a homosexual couple, and right. you've got a little brother who is like eight, yeah, or maybe eleven at the oldest. He's really really young. Uh, I think at the end of the game, he's more towards eleven. At the beginning, he's like eight-ish. Um, okay. And you interact with this homosexual couple in this place where you guys are temporarily staying. And um, there's a diet. Your brother says something about, oh, I saw them kissing the other day. And your options are like, 
that's absolutely normal or like shut up or something like that do you yeah. know what i mean where i'm like yeah. okay so you're like trying to get me and it's so cringy do you know yeah. what i mean it's just cringy yeah i have no problem with people's lifestyle choices and and like whatever but i just feel like it was super super cringy another inst- another instance is like you interact with these like racist people that like call you a wetback and stuff and like beat you up for being Mexican and like yeah. but you're also an American because you were raised in America so you're like oh I'm an American and they're like punching you and you're like oh I'm an American I don't know I just like part of me was like I get what you're trying to say but this actually isn't working like the way you're delivering right. it isn't working because the people doing the racism are like caricatures Right, right. You know what I mean? I I felt like there was definitely a way to do that more subtly, where it wasn't quite so obvious, but then later on, maybe while you were thinking about it, you're like, oh, I bet they did such and such because they're actually, like, racist against Mexicans or something. I don't know. A lot of it was really, really shoving it down your throat. ham-fisted. Yeah. And not as well executed as previous games, not as well handled as other games that deal with the topic of immigration or um, LGBTQ+. Like, it's ju- it was so clumsy in some instances. And especially because you're dealing with parenting to a certain degree and a minor. Right. I don't think anybody's really got that figured out. You know what I mean? Like, at what point do you broach all of those subjects? And, like, how do you teach that? And I don't think they... Even when you chose the choices they were obviously wanting you to choose, the resulting dialogue options were super clunky and weird. And I just felt like they must not have consulted with people on actually how to handle it. Um, and another game, or they just wanted to go the safest route. Yeah. Yeah. And another game I would also put in that is like Saluna cell hellblade soul sacrifice or whatever the heck that game is called. I was really excited for this. They really, really built it up. There was like a big cart, like a, a plate at the beginning of the game. That's like, we consulted with psychologists and whatever on what it's actually like to have schizophrenic disorder or whatever disorders they're portraying in the game. But that crap detracted from the gameplay so much that I put it away. I just found it annoying. I'm sure it's annoying to live with, but like it was so annoying to the point where I couldn't play it. So <laughs> you lost me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they could have had yeah. it come in at specific points, but it felt like it was happening all the time. Like what a horror to live with this. If that's what I like to live with, I would have off myself obviously because I turned off the game. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. I just I'm starting to get a bit frustrated with over political stuff in games. Like I live in the real world all the time. I have my own views on these things. I'm a grown adult. I don't need you to teach me. I already think I'm fairly liberal in general. So, like, could I just please have some escapism? Thank you very much. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm an, I'm a right, and, and then if you're going to insert it, make it subtle. I mean, there are a lot of things, there are a lot of ways they do that, and science fiction's great about that, and that's a topic for another time. But, you know, science fiction uh, games and movies and books and all that have done that for years where they, 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 uh, they can show, teach uh, subtly you know, social, political, 
uh, themes in a way that's not heavy handed, you know, and not like so overt that it's like completely transparent. Uh, and they've done that for years. Mass Effect has plenty of examples of 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 either of you know of xenophobia and and racism per se, and and you know and soci- socio political uh, themes. That if you're if you really want to dig into it, you're like, oh, well, I see what they're doing here, and this is how it's parallels to something in real life, you know. But you don't have to because it's aliens. If you don't want to, you know, it's it's not as overt. So I completely understand and I agree with you. I think we're pretty much on the same page with all of that. So yeah. So more Witcher is what we're Yeah, saying. basically. I think The Witcher yeah. does that sort of stuff pretty well. But anyway, Absolutely. without any fanfare whatsoever, my worst game released in 2019 is Apex Legends. It was crap. It played crap. It was too hard. It was a like bandwagon on Fortnite. It was horrible. So there you go. Worst game. That's go. all my categories. <laughs> that's all the games I got. That That's everything I've come up with. But screw you, Apex Legends. You let me down. You suck. <laughs> Fair You're enough. the Sea yeah, of Thieves of 2019. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I think that was a good. It's a good year looking forward to 2020, and, and uh, we'll definitely have have an episode where we look forward to those games. But that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or email us at retrorebel at templeofgeek.com. If you like what you hear, head over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcast and subscribe. You'll be sure to get each episode and relate and relate us or rate us. <laughs> Give us a thumbs up. Or put a comment because we read them and I get much enjoyment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Rate us. Give us a comment because that really helps our show and we until the next time. See you later.